Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, I know this is a little bit different, uh, but we're going to be flexible and we're going to uh, be at peace and take everything in stride with joy. Um, but I want to let you know that everyone here is praying for you. We're all here for you. Uh, we're thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, so if you need to give me a call or a text or if you need to call Eric or Aiden, uh, please do so because we are definitely here for you um, and we want to hear for you from you. Uh, so just on that, I want to kind of get into it here. Um, again, I know this is different, but I'm going to try to engage you a little bit. So um, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to imagine a place of joy. I want to, um, you to imagine a place of peace, a place where you find comfort. Now, that could be in your own home. It could be in your, maybe you're laying in your bed or you're on their couch. It could be any one of those cases. Um, but I'm going to give you an image of where I kind of find peace. Uh, and that would be late spring, early summer. And there's mountains, lots of greenery. And imagine just a river that kind of goes through this sort of uh, valley with mountains kind of in the distance. And you can see that, and it's quiet. You can hear the birds. You can hear that piece, just a light breeze. And there's... Lots of green, lots of wildflowers, maybe some bushes. Not too difficult to kind of walk through. Maybe there's a little path that you can kind of walk down. And I want you to just kind of imagine that and then just take a deep breath. I know that there's a lot of panic going on right now um, in the world, and you might see that around, around us, all around us. Everybody is, has their own sort of theories, their own sort of panic and everything, but I want you... And I want us all to just think about peace, hope, worry-free. And the reason why I say that is Jesus gives us that peace. He gives us that hope. He gives us something, he gives us something that we don't have to worry about, and that's salvation, right? So if we don't have to... Because of salvation, because of what he offers us, we have nothing to fear, we have nothing to worry about. And as the church, we should be setting an example. And it's just something I want you to think about uh, in this sort of time of uncertainty. Now, let's get into the text. So we're obviously still in Mark, uh, chapter 13. We're going to be finishing up chapter 13 here, uh, and we're going to be starting in verse 24. Um, if you have one of these gold Bibles or mustard Bibles or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's going to be on page 850, and we're just going to go through the end of the chapter, which is through verse 37. So we're going to start in verse 24. It says, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the, the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends 
of heaven. So Jesus is giving us an image here, and it, it sounds like it might be, you know, it talks about, oh, the sun's going to be darkened, the moon's not going to give its light, stars are going to be falling. So it gives you this sense of, like, doom, but then it ends with hope. And that hope is Jesus is coming back for his people. And his people meaning the church, meaning his followers, the people that believe in him, that have received his salvation, right? So that is, and then he will send out his angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now, he's giving this as a sign that when he comes back, it's going to be very obvious. And the only way that you're going to miss it is if you are asleep, if you're not awake, if you're not paying attention. The only way you're going to miss it is if you are taken in by one of these false teachers that we were talking about, these people that aren't telling the truth. If you're taken in by one of them, then you'll miss it. Because he's coming back not as this humble man that he came back, that he came here originally, you know, what we celebrate Christmas. He was born, Christ's birth. He was born in the most humble of settings, in a manger, which is the trough that the pigs eat out of, essentially, um, is just a, just a thing that you put slop in for animals to eat from. And that's where he was born, and obviously it was probably clean. I can't imagine there was food in it still, but he was clean, and it was a manger, and it was still extremely humble start of where, where he was at. That is not how he's coming back the next time, and he says that. He says he's going to... Uh, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. It's showing this idea he's going to come back as God. He's going to come back as king. And that's going to be very obvious. Now, we don't know 100% certain exactly how that looks like. But he's basically saying, you're going to know. All right. So the idea is just to give you this sense that you don't have to worry. You don't have to panic because he is coming back and you're going to know when he comes back. All right? So we're going to go continue on to verse 28. Now, uh, verse 28, I'm just going to repeat it three times slowly because I think this verse gives me a lot of peace, and I want everyone to kind of sense this sort of calming that this, that this gives me. Okay? It says, from the, fir- from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves you know that summer is near. Let's kind of imagine this. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near is near. So also when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. So Jesus is giving us a sign again so that we don't have to worry, and the sign that he gives is a sign of hope. It's a sign of harvest. It's a sign of things are going to grow again. Things are going to be green again. Things are going to be um, peaceful and warm. And I don't know about you, but this sort of transition period between winter and spring is awful. 
And so say what you want. If you like winter, then you like winter. If you like spring, then you like spring. If you like summer, you like summer. If you like fall, you like fall. Nobody likes this, all right? The only people that like this, and the only reason why you do like this is because it gives you a hope that spring is coming soon. You know, this kind of like upper 30s, 40-degree weather, everything's kind of melty, but everything is also icy. The snow is no longer fun to play in because it's hard and sharp and painful. You fall on it and it scratches you. It's all dirty and gross, full of salt. Dogs have been in it. You know what dogs do in the snow. So I'll just leave it at that. It's kind of that just ending period of gross before it becomes beautiful and awesome. All right. So, so that's kind of my, my thing. I'm not a huge fan of winter, but that's also because I'm not a huge, I don't do a ton of winter sports or winter activities. No, I do love skiing. I love snowboarding. I've done that sort of stuff. Um, it's been a little while, but I do enjoy those things. Uh, one thing I can tell you that I do not enjoy is ice fishing. And I think part of that is because of my negative first experience with it. Um, uh, so when I was really young, probably about four or five, it's one of my, one of my first memories of my grandfather um, or grandpa. Is So he lived in Cross Lake. He lived right on the Whitefish Chain, right on Rush Lake. He loved fishing. He loves all sorts of fishing, ice fishing, regular fishing, whatever. Um, he loves it. Now, I like fishing too, but ice fishing is a whole other story. His idea of a good time in ice fishing was go out. It's like negative five. You know, and you're in the middle of the frozen lake, so there's, there's nothing blocking the wind. He didn't use an ice house. He would take a five-gallon bucket, set it down next to a hole, and sit on it and drop a line in it. Sometimes he'd bring the kitchen table cushion from one of the kitchen, you know, one of the table, uh, dining room table chairs, and then, oh, comfort, right? So that, that, that was his idea of a good time ice fishing. I remember doing this when I was like four or five and it was miserable. I was cold. I didn't catch anything, and it felt like hours. Honestly, it probably was like 30 minutes, but at that time, 30 minutes feels like a lifetime, all right? And it was cold, and it was miserable, and I just wanted to go inside. Now, I've gone ice fishing a couple times since then, and it was a little bit better experience, but it's still not my cup of tea. Maybe if I was in one of those, like, ice castle things that is, you know, has full Wi-Fi and, you know, heated and TV and all that stuff, then maybe we could, we could work something out with ice fishing. You just kind of drop it in and forget about it, and you're just basically watching Netflix. So <laughs> I could maybe do something like that, but uh, not, not just sit on the ice freezing cold. That's, that's not, my, not my cup of tea. <laughs> so um, I like summer. Summer makes me happy. The idea of summer, that warmth that I get, I like summer... Uh, being outside during the summer, I love doing summer activities. Uh, you know, baseball starts in the spring, you know, goes through the summertime. I love baseball. I love that whole sort of environment, especially rec baseball. There's something about like parks and rec baseball that's just awesome. Um, I like track. Track is a spring to summer sport, you know, those sorts of things. I like summer. I love going out. I like, I like regular fishing, like I said. I like going out in the water. The idea of summer and that it's coming gives me hope and it gives me peace and it gives me joy. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're just like, oh, man, another 300 days till winter. Huzzah. 
you know, it's not 300 days, but you know what I mean. You know, you're like one of those people that's like Christmas ends and then, oh, only 364 more days until Christmas. I'm not that guy, <laughs> but uh, some people are like that, and that's fine. If that's what gives you joy um, and peace, then definitely. I love summer. And Jesus uses that summer time and that hope of summer coming using the lesson of the fig tree as a lesson to say, hey, when you see these things happening, you know the time's near. So says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth, earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus is constant. He's saying, everything you see around you, this is just created, and it can be taken away, and it's temporary. It was made to be temporary. So don't worry, because I'm constant. My words are constant. And if your hope is in me, you have nothing to be concerned about. Verse 32 says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know what the time, when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep." And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler of the story here. Um, Obviously, we know that Jesus ends up getting arrested. He ends up going to the cross, and that's where he dies for our sins. This part seems like a foreshadowing of what's about to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so shortly after Passover probably maybe a day, maybe two days after Passover at most, Jesus goes out to pray in a garden nearby. And when he goes out to pray in that garden, that's where he ends up getting arrested. He brings three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. Now, I'm not going to get into too much detail on that, but what he does to, when he goes to pray is he tells his disciples, sit by and watch. Sit by and, and listen Maybe even pray along. It doesn't go into a ton of detail on that, but he does say, stay awake, stay alert, pay attention while I pray. And what happens is they end up falling asleep. Not just one time, Jesus goes back to them multiple times, and each time he goes back to them, they're asleep. I think he's giving them, he's giving a warning beforehand, stay awake, because what happens is they soon regret falling asleep because Jesus ends up getting, you know, a whole army comes up to him, a bunch of soldiers, to arrest him while they're sleeping. Yes, they're awake at the time they see everything happen, but they kind of snuck up on him. Because Jesus goes and wakes wakes them up and says, look, they're at hand, they're here, they're coming to arrest me. If they had stayed awake... They would have seen that beforehand, and maybe something could have been done. Now, we know that Scripture must be fulfilled, but this is probably what was going on in their mind. At the very least, 
they could have stayed awake to pray with Jesus one last time. So Jesus is telling us to take this very seriously. He's telling us to stay diligent for truth, to pay attention. He wants us to care about our salvation, and in caring about our salvation, then we will pray. That's what gives us hope. And in caring about your salvation, it's what's going to bring you joy. It's what's going to bring you peace in the midst of chaos and doubt. And I know this is kind of an ironic sort of message in where we're at with what's happening in the world today. Um, And I was just kind of thinking about that. But I think it's a perfect message to say, even when things around you are chaotic, you know that your peace and your joy is in Jesus. So what I'm going to leave you with is I'm going to leave you with two questions. Obviously, we're going to show you the questions that we would normally have for our discussion questions if you're getting together with your groups um, on a separate sort of basis. That's going to be between you and your leaders um, if, you, if you want to do that in a small setting of 10 or less. <laughs> um, but otherwise, we are going to release questions for you to just kind of contemplate on yourself. But two questions that I want you to think about uh, right now and just kind of reflect on is what would you say to Jesus if he was before you today? If Jesus was standing in front of you right now, what would you say to him? What do you think he would say to you? Would he say, wake up? Or would he say, awesome? Good job. You've been awake. You're paying attention. Now, there's times where I definitely have been asleep. I think everybody's been in that period. So I don't want you to feel like I'm attacking you. (laughs) I just want you to think about where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Are you caring about your salvation in this moment? Are you paying attention? Are you staying awake? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much in the name of Jesus for how in times of chaos, in times of doubt, in times of worry, you tell us, do not be afraid. I am here. I thank you so much for that, Lord. I pray that each and every one of these students feels your calm and your peace and that in this time, Maybe they're able to find new creative ways, new things to do. Uh, They're able to not have to worry about these other things and focus more on your word and focus on you, Lord. May we all be able to do that, Lord, and grow closer to you. I thank you so much for everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen.